This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 78 of the Stacey West podcast. If you're hearing that for the second time, yes, I did call last week 78, but that's because I'm an idiot. Um, I'm Ben, and I'm joined by Carrie as ever. Are you well? Yes, and I didn't pick up last week that it was 78 because the numbers mean little to me. It was only when I went to do the post the next day that I noticed. Yeah, it was when I went to uh, I went to put the podcast live, and I was like, oh, oh yeah, that was, yeah, bugger. And normally oh, well. I, I wouldn't even have thought about it, but I was born in 1978, so it... Uh, it, it stuck with me in my mind and the number it, the only pack of programs i've got open on my desk at the moment are 1978 79 fair enough um so yeah this is the actual episode 78 we're two away from episode 80 which is uh a bit weird but oh, yeah. god you're good at math i know mate tell me about it i think i took grammar <laughs> school for nothing go to um, school i went to a grammar school mate did you yeah. what about i went to uh cars in sleaford oh did you we always used to yeah, kick I'm... them at football. <laughs> Probably did. Anyway. God, they're just um... two grammar school wankers. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway. Right. Um yeah, so obviously we've not had a we've not had a game for the best part of two weeks at this point. Um itching to get down to the bank again. Um but it's not been a week of uh, of nothing. There's been some news and things happening. Um I said on Twitter earlier that we were, you know, I'd, I'd try and get it by the fact that the um, uh, that the podcast a day late because we we had the inside scoop and we knew everything that was going to be happening earlier on. But in all honesty, we were just a bit busy um, last night, so we didn't get recording. But press conference today, as uh, it's well, it's revealed a couple of in- bits of information that I think one of them we, we pretty much knew, didn't we, about uh, about Jason Shackle, and the other one was about Tyrese's injury. So. Which one do you want to? Which one do you want to sort of talk about first? Neither. I'll give you the <laughs> Neither would be yeah. great. <laughs> well, we've got to, haven't we? Yeah, I was actually working this morning, and Pete uh, dropped me a message saying, "Well, that's a bombshell in the press conference this morning." It's like, uh, what bombshell? <laughs> and then I went on Twitter. <laughs> Go on, let's talk about Jason Shackle first, then. 
And you, okay. you start talking about it because then I can briefly let my dog in the room who's scratching at the door. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, Jason Shackle um, has basically been told by Michael Appleton that he doesn't have a future uh, for the club, uh, at the club, sorry. So, um, yeah, he's, he's no longer going to be playing any games. Um, his last game was the 4-3 defeat away at Accrington where he scored twice, but unfortunately one was at the wrong end. Um, and I think it's something that we kind of all saw coming. Um, if not immediately, it's something that I think we saw maybe at the end of the season. But uh, are you surprised it's come this early, Gary? Not after Accrington, no. No, as soon as I heard that interview at the end of the Accrington game, um, I didn't think we'd see much of Jason Shackle again. Because he's, you know, he's been around, he's played football at a good level, and when he's getting called out like that, and I know it wasn't by the, it wasn't by name. You know, nobody was in any <clears throat> under any illusions as to who we were, who Michael was discussing. You know, he'd been let down by senior players, and you know, we knew who had let him down because he'd given a penalty away, scored no goal, and you know, overall hasn't really been the same player probably since before Christmas. So, what does surprise me is um, that we brought Timothy Ioma in. If we thought Shackle was so bad, why was he still playing against Atkinson? Yeah, I, mm. I would be worried that it was a reactionary uh, comment, but you know that that's gone now. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd heard a whisper that Shackle hasn't been at training for a week or two, um, mm. and that you know conversations and negotiations had broken down, uh, or had never even started. I don't know. Uh, speculation on my part there. So no, not not really surprised at all. I think if you watched Shackle this season. Um, I don't think he should have come back in when he did. You know, I think he came back in replacing Key and Bolger um, early doors. I think that was harsh on Bolger. Uh, and mm-hmm. then I think you know, recently it's been more a case of, of needs must, hasn't it? That you know we've been yeah. having to play Shackle rather than wanting to play him. Um, but I don't want that to sound negative towards him. He's, he's not been playing well. A lot of players haven't been playing well. Um, but he was a big part of our title challenge last season. You know, somebody did point out things like the red card, which was, I think, at Carlisle. Uh, mm-hmm. And there was another one last season at uh, Swindon. And I think both yep. of those just point a little um, to, a, to a kind of a fiery temperament, perhaps. Uh, and I think when you consider that and then put that with the, with the situation after the Accrington game, um, it's not entirely a surprise. What people mustn't forget, of course, is that he actually scored the third goal against Accrington, as you mentioned earlier. You know, and it's, it's, the penalty was dubious, and the cross should mm-hmm. never have come in for the own goal anyway. And that's not excusing him of any problems, but it's just showing that there are, you know, wider is- there were wider issues than just Jason Shackle, and I wouldn't want him to have been made a scapegoat. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's very easy for somebody to to sort of go, oh yeah, well he's been crap for you know x number of games without actually taking into consideration um, everything that's you know that, that happened. I think um, the 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 point about him um, possibly coming back uh, coming in too early. Um, I think, like I say, it was harsh on on Kian Bolger when he came back in, um, and essentially just you know. Took him uh, well. Took him out of the squad uh, when you know Shaq came back from injury um, suspension. And I don't. Well, oh, sorry, it was suspension, was it? Yes. Sorry, I, I, I had it in my head. It was an injury for some reason. Anyway, but yeah, you know, when he came back, it was it was one of those conversations where you think, well, you know, 
like I think we said at the time, is it a bit harsh on on Kian Bolger? Um, but it's something that you, you mentioned when you said that you know that they're, they're not. He, he's not the only player that's not been on it. You know, he's not he's not the only player that's uh, that, that's been underperforming. Um, but unfortunately, like within most situations, if you're a goalkeeper or if you're a defender, your your mistakes will be noticed more than most because ultimately you're at the back and you will you'll concede if you make a mistake. So, um. I think to say that, you know, Shackles had a, a very poor season is probably a little bit harsh. I mean, it's definitely not been his best, but it's um it's it's a bit of a shame. I I think I said to you in a in a text that, you know, it, it was I personally I would have liked to you know had him at least see the season out, but I can un- completely understand why he's he's made the decision that he has or, you know, the, the decision's well, been taken. I th- I think um, I think the point here is I don't think seeing the season out was an option. Yeah. After the Accrington game, and let's face it, it's highly possible that we've brought in a, a better replacement. You know, a younger, albeit very slightly player, a uh, little bit more versatile. And yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think early on in the season, I think we we pondered on here whether maybe it was a season too far for Jason. Um, it's possible that had we remained in League Two, it would still be you know on form. Um, he would still be. Uh, uh, still be useful, and I think had we got maybe a pacey young defender next to him, maybe it might have been a little bit different as well. You know, I watched, um, or I did some stats, I think, didn't I, the other week in, in terms of headed challenges, and Ian Bolger was winning far, far more, and that wasn't the case mm. last season. Um, but you know, Alan Sheehan uh, has obviously come in, we haven't, haven't had an opportunity to discuss him, and I think focusing on the exit, um, is, is kind of almost like a glass half empty whereas if we're looking at Alan Sheehan it's that's the glass half full and I think mm-hmm. I think the one thing that a lot of people will be concerned about is not Jason Shackle leaving the club it's the means by which he's left the club. Um, because it's been a bit almost controversial and you look then mm-hmm. at you know the Lee Frecklington situation which you know, we don't really know the truth of you know we've all got sources who are telling us certain things it's very telling when Lee likes a, a post on Twitter about players should never be frozen out of a club in reference to Kevin Ellison. Um, and then somebody, I think, commented underneath on that. You know, what about the players at our own club? And Lee had liked that as well. So I think that's telling. You know, Tom Pett maybe might have that. And these things start to stack up. And I think, I feel, I'm not criticising Michael Appleton here, but what I'm saying is that I think next season... We really, you know, we, a lot of fans are very keen to see the benefit of what has been a very ruthless policy towards some of the players that not only were at the club, but won the League Two title last year and put us top of the table in September, whether that was a false position or not. Um, I like the players that are coming in. I see the transition. I get behind that. But I'm not going to sit in the happy, 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 clappy camp. Easy for you to say. Mm. Uh, and and kind of say you know oh well, we've got to get rid of the deadwood. It's when six months ago we were cheering that deadwood, uh, and I'm not going to sit on the you know oh Michael Everton's an arsehole. He's getting rid of all these players, and you know I'm not saying that either because you know he's he's undertaking a rebuilding job. I'm very much sat in the middle at the moment, and I can see the arguments from both sides, and I think mm-hmm. that's the angle from Jason Shackle's departure. That will concern people more so than the impact on the playing squad. 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's spot on. Um, just as a quick aside, the, the the post that you mentioned about the um, about Kevin Ellison that was that was a bit tough to to read some of that because it was a bit like, hmm, is is that what's happening at the moment? I mean, again, we don't know. It's it's speculation. So what we do um, at, our, at our club? Yes, yeah. I, d- I, d- I don't think that exact thing's happening. I don't think there's a situation where players are being trained in the because I mean Kevin Ellison's training on AstroTurf three or four miles away from the main squad. We've got a training yeah. ground, so I don't think there's been anybody being ostracised in in that that instance. Um, you know, I have heard talk of people going onto a training ground visit and some players being in the gym while others are out on the uh, on the grass. But you don't know. You know it's, it's easy to see something. I think he must be frozen out. Whereas in actual fact, it could be uh, a different training program for a different position, yeah. different squad levels. So it's easy to say. Um, I yeah. I, that's me almost verging on the happy clappy side of things and, and, and trying to look on the positives. You know, I, for me, as I said in the Kevin Ellison piece that was retweeted, I, I don't think any player should ever be made to train on their own. I said in response to that on Twitter, I don't think mm. if you're a member of a playing squad, unless you are a disciplinary risk, and I'm thinking Pierre Van Hoydonk at Nottingham Forest, or I'm thinking uh, the kid from Newport earlier in the year who bit the West Ham player, those players training on their own, no problem with that, none whatsoever. If you're a fully fit, functioning member of a squad, irrespective of whether you've played one game or 40 games, you should be treated the same as the other squad members. And if you're not trying to engineer a move, if you're not kind of being disruptive, there's no reason. If you've had someone come in for you and you've turned the move down, that for me is is not a reason to be pushed and trained on your own. And I'm not saying that's happening at our club. I don't know whether it is or not. I don't know whether that's the case with Kevin Ellison or not. But in my opinion, you know, if you're a contracted to a football club, um, you should be training with them. And you listen to Under the Cosh. I was listening to Wayne Brown on Under the Cosh uh, the other day, and he was sort of being made, made to train with the kids at Preston and stuff like that. It's not on. On constructive dismissal, in my honest opinion. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. Football's different to real life, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's um, like I say. It, I, I don't want to. I think the thing that we've said since day one, and I think we actually said this on the very first podcast, is that we don't want to sit into into either of the brackets that you've mentioned. You know, the happy clappy stuff and the, the you know the, the miserable bastards. But we want to be the critical friend to the club, and I think we will always be you know we'll always be there for valid criticism and i think we've had conversations with people inside the club where they've said look we appreciate it because it's not it's not all oh everything's amazing everything's great but when something happens that that needs to be picked up on we we will do it and we will hopefully do it in a manner that's seen as as balanced and fair but like I say, at the minute, it's all rumour, it's all speculation as to what's actually gone on. But what we do know is that Jason Shackle's not going to be playing for Lincoln City anymore. Um, whether he's going to be on gardening leave till his contract expires or whether his agents and the club can thrash something out to, to to get that contract terminated early and free up a little bit of wage, maybe for a, you know, for a free agent, um, possibly a free agent who's a striker to replace... The person that we're going to talk about next, which is Tyrese John Jules. Now, if that's not a good segue, I don't know what is. Um, well, we were going to talk about Ty- Alan Sheehan, actually. So you've segued over the top of oh, uh, a 33 year old um, new <laughs> signing who's captained his side to two promotions in two seasons. But not a problem. Yeah, it's a perfect segue. Go on, Tyrese John Jules. We'll come back to Alan Sheehan. 
<laughs> sake. <laughs> um, yeah, so Tyrese is uh, he, he's he's I think he's literally as we're recording this. I think he just posted on Twitter basically saying that um, his season's over. Um, he's grateful for the response and the the opportunity that he's been given at Lincoln. Um, and is uh, yeah, and, you know, thank you for your, you said thank you. I want to thank everyone at Lincoln from staff, players, and the fans for the amazing support. Uh, unfortunately, my season had to end through an injury, but now it's time to recover and get stronger for next season. Thank you. So, I mean, yeah, basically the the friendly um, at Sheffield United, he he took a whack on the foot that I think was already possibly partly injured, um, and he's broken a bone in his foot, which obviously means that his season is is finished. Um. Which puts us in, well, the, the essentially the situation that we didn't want to be in um, at the start of January. And it looks like we are now in exactly the same position with two different strikers. Um, instead of uh, Tyler Walker and John Akindi, we are left now with um, Tom Hopper and Anthony Scully. So... Uh, <sighs> It's a difficult one because obviously they're both unproven at, uh, at the club, um, as was Tyrese. But we we now don't really have that third option. Um, it's a massive blow. There's no there's no two ways about it. But I, I think your the, the piece that you put up on the blog, I, you said that you were worried about it and that it, you know you'd, you'd start to to maybe think a little bit about the the end of the season and, and are we going to be in danger and I think there's a few parallels that you, you drew comparisons to but I don't think we're going to be dragged into that battle I mean you listen to all of the other coverage all of the other the talks and everything you, you listen about you know how Tranmere are nowhere near as good as they need to be to to make up the likes of you know the 13 points on us let alone the, the eight points that they need to is it eight points that they're adrift at the minute but you know the number of points that they are behind people are saying they're just not going to do it so won their last game I don't know. 3-2 at Shrewsbury <laughs> after going 2-0 down just, after going 2-0 up and coming back showed the character look First of all, on that blog piece, let's not get any confusion here that I'm one of these people who's comparing this season to 2011. There are spooky parallels in terms of striker, injury, date it's happened, player, recalled, team from the championship. You know what I mean? There are parallels, but at no point have I compared Michael Appleton to Steve Tilson, and anyone that says that I have done that is a... a, is incorrect. <laughs> you were going to say something very, very different. I was going there? to say something very, very different. I did that on purpose <laughs> because <laughs> off air, and we won't say who, I was quite happy to call somebody that <laughs> to you. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, so, look, you know, I, I raised those parallels, and then I think the very next line I used was, that might be a bit of a stretch. And if people look at mm. the parallels and don't read the next line, it's not my fault that they can't read or don't want to read. Um, so I, I've drawn no parallels. I've at no point have I said this season smells like 2010-11. I am merely pointing out that we were comfortable that time. We had 10 games left that time. Everyone was thinking sort of 13 or 14 games before that that we might achieve the playoff. Look, this mythical points barrier that Tranmere have got to catch up, let's not forget those games in hand, okay? Because when they, if, if if they win those games in hand, uh, then it just makes it a little bit more frightening and we'll come on to the, the games that we've got coming up. So 
that that will put that puts those parallels to bed. I will never ever feel safe until a calculator tells us that I'm safe, that we're safe, mm. and that's just the way things are. And anybody that's lived through Lincoln City for as long as you and I have, and as long as I'm sure 95 percent of the people listening to this has knows for a fact that history tells us the second that a supporter becomes complacent about relegation, you get bit on the arse. 86, 87, mm. we came down. I, I only barely remember it my first season, but I know for a fact, you know, we were seventh, I think, going into Christmas. We were looking at the playoffs. Mm. There was no thought of relegation. There was no thought that the teams who were adrift at the bottom and Stockport County managed, I believe, by Colin Murphy at the time were one of them. There was no thought that we were going to go down. We went down. 2010 and 11. No thought that we were going to go down. And we went down. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything similar in this squad, in the manager, because it's a different time, a different era. Everything about it is different, but football has this horrible way of just repeating itself, and it genuinely does. And then you look at when we came down in in, uh, 98, 99, we were on our arse the whole season, and suddenly with three games to go, we'd got a fighting chance. And we were the ones that had hauled ourselves back out of it. And obviously, mm. as, you know, history tells us we didn't quite get out of it. You look at things like our great escape in, in the 50s, where you know, we were massively adrift um, and we came back and we survived on the final day. You look at the great escape Wimbledon turned last season when they were 10, 15 points adrift at one point, at one stage. And they overturned it and they, they stayed up, as did Southend, and it relegated Scunthorpe instead. So... I, I don't I don't subscribe to this, you know, we're safe. And uh, when we've got the wins, if we win on Saturday, brilliant. If we win on uh, a week on Saturday, brilliant. But I'll tell you something, in 10 days' time, and I've not, not touched on Tyrese in a minute, and I will do in a second. But in 10 days' time, if we've got one point from the next two games, if Tranmere have beaten us a week on Saturday, all these people who are feeling nice and safe and secure will then begin to look down. and. You know, do I think we'll get relegated? No. But until I know that we can't get relegated, I'm not going to go to sleep at night thinking that we won't because that's arrogant. Mm. And, you know, one thing I try not to be is arrogant. I try not to be. And I try not to be arrogant about where our football team is. Now, mm. when it comes to Tyrese and, and Tom Hopper and, and the striker situation, I based that, that uh, piece that I did purely and simply on the fact that I have seen very, very little from Tom Hopper to suggest he's a number nine. I don't believe that we're going into the uh, end of the season with two strikers. I think we're going into the end of the season with two options at number nine, neither of which at the moment are sufficient. Because if we play in the four, four, two, three, one, essentially it's it, the, the 10 role is then open for Jake Hesketh, it's open for Jack Payne, uh, it's open for Anthony Scully, and any of those could technically play alongside a number nine. And we could then go to a four four two. Arguably, you could play Jack Payne there, certainly play Jake Hesketh, you could certainly play Anthony Scully. But you wouldn't get away with playing the four two three one. in my opinion, with Anthony Scully as a 9 and Jack Payne or Jake Hesketh as a 10 because there's absolutely no physical presence whatsoever. And we've already seen some Mm -hmm. of these younger players getting bullied. Now, I know we talk about Tyrese not particularly having a physical presence, but I'm talking predominantly about um, aerial ability as well. You know, he he was taller. He could win a few. He could win the headers. I'm also thinking about the instinct, the moves that the number 9s make. You know, Tyler Walker wasn't a particularly strong player, but he was always, if a cross came near post, 
eight times out of ten, Tyler Walker was making the near post run. Ditto the back post. And you you need to look at goals against, uh, I'm trying to think, Burton away, potentially. I think he slammed one in, didn't he? There was another game away from home where he's, he's come in uh, quite late on and, and, and bagged the goal from a certain angle. Might have been Rochdale away, I can't remember. But at the moment, I've not seen Tom Hopper make a single one of those runs. I'm not saying Tom's a bad player. What I'm saying is it might take him six months to settle. It takes him six months to settle. He ain't going to suddenly come up with four or five goals in the running, which is what we need. And if we, mm. my fear is that Tyrese only scored one in seven. I get that. But he was getting in positions to miss. Honestly, hand on heart, I can't tell you that I have seen a Tom Hopper miss in his time with the club. So if I haven't seen a Tom Hopper miss and we haven't seen a Tom Hopper goal, my concern is he's not getting in those positions. So then we're going to have to heap everything on Anthony Scully. I might be proven wrong, but that's where the worry lies for me. Mm. Um, that's that's a really good point and a really good way of looking at it. Because to be honest, I'd, I'd not really, I'd not thought about it like that. And I think, um, I, I think I, I'm probably one of the people that's that's given Hopper a bit more of the benefit of the doubt as than other was uh, than others would. Um, because I think I've, I've seen what I've seen so far. He's made, he's not been making the runs. You, you, you bang on with that one, but he's definitely seemed to me like he's been winning, you know, he's, he's been up in the air. He's been winning the headers. He's been kind of the, the, the physical presence that I think you might be, you're sort of getting at that we need. But in addition to that, he hasn't been making the runs and he hasn't been pushing on from what he's doing in his with, with the physical stuff. And I think that's where you that's where I'm I'm seeing the criticism about him not being, you know, the, the number nine that we need at the moment. Um it's just a really it's just it's a really tough situation at the moment. Um and I think while it's it's probably going to be very easy for people to just sit there and go, oh well, you know, we've lost we've lost the striker that we had. Which, let's be fair, there were a lot of people giving Tyrese quite a lot of stick before he got injured. And initially, I think we, I think that when he was initially taken out of the squad, I think it was to, the initial reaction was, oh, cool, he's taken him out of the squad to to maybe shield him from some of the criticism. But I don't know, like it's obviously he came out and said he was injured, but it clearly was. It, it just goes to show that. Sorry, I didn't, Sorry. Mean, I didn't mean to say that sounds snidey. Yeah, he was injured when he came out of the squad. There's no doubt yes. whatsoever yeah, about yeah. that. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Interesting point you've made about Tom Hopper's heading. Um, yeah, very interesting. So we... Go on, Port- you're going to give me a stat, aren't you? Yeah, Portsmouth won 33% of his aerial jewels. Uh, Southend away won 50%, but that's only two of four aerial jewels. Rotherham United, he did only get 13 minutes, so we can't really take that into account, but he only won one of two. 40% against MK Dons, that was with 38 minutes. Played the full game against Atkinson Stanley, uh, only won four of 14. Played the full game against Gillingham, only won five of 11. Hmm, okay. So, um... in... But, on the kind of the, the flip side of that, we talk uh, Tyrese John Jules who you know, I'm kind of saying is, was better in the air. Milton Keynes-Dons, 60%, 98 minutes played. Rotherham, far, far fewer. Only won four of 14, 29%. South End played 99 minutes, one aerial duel, one. So, uh, yeah, 
it, it, uh, to be fair, there's very little difference between John Jules and Hopper in terms of the aerial jewels. But then if you start, and again, I'm not going to flip between the two, but then if you look at shots um, on target and things like that, I just, I just think there was more threat with John Jules than we've seen from Tom so far. What I will say, oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you on that one, not at all. What I will say is, you said there about giving Tom the benefit of the doubt. I, I don't need to say that because I'm not doubting any player that we have in the squad in terms of their ability at the moment. I'm not saying Tom Hopper's shit. I'm not saying that at all. It's clearly not. You don't pay six figures for a crap footballer usually. You know, they've seen something in him that fits with our um, with our philosophy. And you know, people were writing Tom Pet off. Excuse me, mm. ahead of the Yeovil game back in 2017-18, and then mm. raving about him four months later when he was in the centre of midfield. You know, I say this nearly every week on the pod. No professional footballer is a bad footballer. Doesn't matter mm. who it is. It doesn't matter if it's somebody that's got the first touch of a dumper truck. Right, they're not a bad footballer. There's something about them that people see. And again, back under the cost, John Parkins said yesterday that Adi Akinbai's first touch was woeful. You could give him the first touch because you knew you'd win the ball on his second. And yet he had all the attributes to go and play in a certain position and play it in a certain way. So I think, you know, you, I'm not, not giving Tom the benefit of the doubt. I don't think that Tom at the moment is showing any hint whatsoever that he's capable of playing the number nine that this system needs, which is exactly what Tyler did, which is, in my opinion, what Tyrese did. Tyrese didn't score the goals, but he was making the runs, he was in the positions. And other than that, John didn't do it. John Akindi didn't do it. Tom and John are very, very similar. But we would have been incredibly disappointed at the beginning of the season if John Akindi had started as the nine and somebody else, let's say Hesketh or Payne, had started as the ten. We wanted Walker there. So for me, it's all about the number nine. It's not about just having two strikers on the bench and the cover. Um, I mentioned that you know, it's an issue to think about, but that's not my main worry. My main worry is having the mobile number nine who's going to cause the problems. And I tell you what, I will do that. I will do the numbers. I'm looking at um, I'm looking at shot assists for Tyrese John Jules, uh, two shot assists uh, while he's been play- while he was playing for us. Uh, shots on target, well, shots rather, three, four, five, six, seven, eleven shots with just three on target while he's been playing for us. Okay, this is done by the way. You can hear the keyboard, so this is actually done on the stats program right now. So I might be about to make myself look like a massive knob, and I know for a fact <laughs> that there is no way uh, that uh, Ben will edit it out. Tom Hopper shots. <laughs> Okay, shots, none against Ipswich, none against Portsmouth, one against Southend on target, none against Rotherham, none against MK Dons, none against Accrington Stanley. That's in a game where he played 91 minutes and we scored four goals. One against Gillingham, 101 minutes, not on target. He's had one shot on target since he's signed for us. Shot assists. So again, this is where he has created a shot for somebody else. And bear in mind, Tyrese had two of those. One, Accrington Stanley. Beg your pardon, two against uh, Portsmouth. So he, in one game against Portsmouth, bear in mind he had no shots himself in that game, but he did create two shots. Um, other than that, you know, there's no indication here that he's a striker. And I'm, I'm sure it'll come fine. I'm sure, yeah, do you know what I mean? I'm sure eventually he will come fine. Mm. My argument is 
people always keep showing me form tables. They keep telling me who's in form and who's not in form. Teams are 11 players and certain players can be in form in a team that are not doing well, all that sort of stuff. I don't subscribe too much to a form table because it depends who you've played. It depends on uh, who's injured. You know, there's so many different variables. But in a single individual player's form is cut and dried. Cut and dried. And, and the numbers there, thankfully, otherwise I would have looked an idiot, have backed me up. And I hope yeah, I've enough to be proven wrong, Ben. I would. Yeah, I think I think the thing for me is that when I've seen, you know, what, what I've seen of Hopper so far, um, I, I'm seeing what he's trying to do. And it, it isn't, you know, it isn't that the, the number nine role that, that you're after. It, it's not that role. And I think it, it's almost when you say, you know, him and John are, are fairly similar. I think that's, it. it's probably damning with faint praise and that, you know, it's, it's true in, in the fact that, you know, he's, he's making the, he, he makes the runs, but he doesn't make the, the attacking runs that I think people want him to see. Um, if that makes sense, need, need he's making the Yes. Yeah. He's, he's making the kind of runs that, um, will, it, it'll get people, it'll help people get into positions. Um, and he's, he's getting stuck in. Um, he's not, you know, he's, he's not, the, the, the deadly lethal player that's going to be scampering into the box and trying to get those goals like uh, like Tyler Walker was at the moment and I think ultimately yeah like you say that's, that's what's needed at the moment given the uh, given the situation that we found ourselves in particularly now as we're well down to two again is he getting stuck in I I think he has been um and again I know that that's probably that's probably me looking for looking for things to be positive about when it's when it's happening but i've to me he's, he's the one that's been he's been putting himself about he's been you know sticking his head where he needs to and he's been winning challenges not necessarily ones that lead directly to goals but he, i don't know I, he's not doing what i tell I you what, what the fans want him to do that's obvious i won't start talking about offensive jewels one because i'm looking at those now and at the minute 20 percent against portsmouth 11% against Accrington, 13% against Southend. Uh, look, no, I don't want to go. I'm not crucifying Tom Hopper. You're doing here, well it? for not talking about it. I know, I know. I just thought that when I was saying it. I was <laughs> I was leaving the hook hanging for you. I'm not crucifying Tom. I'm purely, <laughs> I'm purely justifying why I am worried that Tyrese is not playing. I would love to have seen Tyrese with Anthony Scully playing behind him. And we haven't mm. got to see that. And I, I find that. Uh, a desperate, desperate shame. And, you know, I my honest feeling is now that between now and, let's say, the end of March, we can assure our League two, uh, league 1 uh, safety, but we're going to have to mm-hmm. fight hard for it. And, we've, you know, this is this was a massive, massive blow. That's, there's, no, there's no two ways about it. It's a huge blow. Yes, absolutely. So... Um, right, so let's talk about Mr. Sheehan then, seeing as uh, I'd forgotten about it earlier in my segue, and I'm not going to do a segue, I'm just going to go straight into it. Yep. Um, well, I think, yeah, go for it. I think good signing. I, do you know what? I mean, we've just, I've just been quite negative, and I, that's not completely unlike me, but I think Alan Sheehan is a class signing at this level. Um, I think that he has still got a season or two left in him, so I think that we'll have a good long look this season and see if there is any place for him. The problem we would have going forward with Alan Sheehan is that um, 
when we remodel the squad, we probably won't want to be relying on centre halves with thirty plus. And you know, we all hope that we keep Michael Boswick. So I think that mm-hmm. Alan Sheehan will be a very temporary measure if he wants full first team football all next season. Um, so, I, but again, I, yeah, I think it's a good sign, and I think. At the beginning of the season, if you'd said to me, would you rather have Alan Sheehan or Jason Shackle in your side? I'd probably have said Alan Sheehan. You know, Shackle had helped drivers to a League Two title. Sheehan had captained Luton to the League One title. Um, mm. Let's not forget that. And I think what was Shackle 36, Sheehan's 33, I think. Um, I just I just think it's a good signing. He's a versatile player. Uh, and you know, we're talking there about players training on their own. And it's been quite, I've been quite negative tonight. And I think, you know, I'm not a naturally negative person, but I think Alan Sheehan behind the scenes will be a, a brilliant influence. Mm. Well, it sounds like he's um, he, he's wanting to maybe you know make the step into uh, into coaching, and I think given um, given what's available to him at the club, and I think given the the experience of of people around him, I think it's it it almost sounds like it makes sense that this is the the next more permanent home. Uh, for him in his career so um, I know that that was hinted at today in the press conference as well from from Michael where he said you know this is something that we've we've briefly spoken about and we'll obviously have to see um, essentially what happens um, throughout the you know throughout the course of the end of the season but um, I'd agree I think in you know in it being a temporary or relatively temporary measure um, Obviously, it's it's basically like for like, isn't it? You know, we've got a free agent that's that's played in the championship at the, um, and he's waiting for, you know, his, the next move in his career, and it's come along with us. So, I, I think you know, left sided midfield, uh, left sided defender. Sorry, uh, he's obviously a very clear like for like for for Jason. So. He can play midfield as um, well. You're not wrong. He can play left sided midfield, although he probably wouldn't. He can play holding central midfield as well as central defence. So. Yeah, you're not wrong at all. Versatility as well, mate. I tell you, top top signing for us. Really good think, signing. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited by it. I mean, do you think he starts on Saturday? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. But I, I have two questions. No, that's two questions. Do I think he starts on Saturday? Probably yes. Do I think he should start on Saturday? No. Don't think Ian Bolger has done anything to warrant being dropped. The Michael Boswick has got to be the first name on the team sheet. Um, but I think that you might find Boswick on the right side of the fence and Sheehan on the left. And I think Bolger might be unlucky once again. Uh, and it is desperately, desperately unlucky for Bolger. Uh, I'm not sure he's a Michael Appleton defender and he's been one of our most consistent performers all season. So mm. it would be a crying shame if uh, if he were to lose out once again. Yeah, I, I think... I'd, there's, there's a part of me that really wants to see what Ioma can do. But obviously, we are now in a position where there are going to be people that are absolutely clamouring to get whatever points we can to ensure the safety in the league. So we need to have that experience. We need to have that, that well, <laughs> that hard bastard in the defence. And it sounds like we've now got two. You know, it, it, he sounds like Sheen sounds There's like no he's, place for Timothy Ioma at the minute. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you know, at the, the minute we're desperate to get these the points on the board. So I think once the... Um, once the, the points are confirmed, and like you say, when the calculator says we're safe, then we can start to maybe experiment a little bit more. I think um, was it the I think it was the not the top twenty podcast was saying about you know the the teams that they deem as the uh, 
the let's just uh, let's just have fun teams. So you've got the teams that are definitely you know in the promotion frame, the teams that are definitely in the relegation frame, and they put us in the the, the let's just have a laugh category. Um, but I think maybe a few more points, and then we can really be sat in that category permanently and just have a you know till the end of the season at least and just have a good laugh. You know, play some football that will be entertaining. Three points a week on Saturday. Go to Tranmere, win, and we're in that we're in that category. And I won't be happy because the calculator will not say we're safe. But that's a six pointer. You beat Tranmere next next weekend, irrespective of this weekend. I think the, the Tranmere game um, this season is a, is basically the the MK Dons game of last season. It's not the day that everything was mathematically mm-hmm. certain, but it's going to be that point where if we win next Saturday, it's going to be the point where we know that we're safe. So yeah, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Right, so we've spent 40 minutes talking about everything apart from the game. So shall we preview, Burton? We can do, yeah. We'll have to make it quick because I can hear my lamb shank in the oven because I told Fee I'd be finished at half six, but then uh, obviously you struggled to get home from work. Yes, so. because the traffic is still a nightmare in Lincoln, so thank you. Yes. And luckily, where I live, obviously there's no traffic. There's no threat of coronavirus because... The postman definitely doesn't uh, look like he gets to China very often or northern Italy. So, um, anyhow, yeah. So Burton Albion are pretty hard to preview, to be honest, because they they tend to play quite different formations. Uh, they've played a five three two against South End. They played a three five two before that. Their most common um, setup is four three three or four one four one. So they're really really versatile. And Nigel Cross is a really good manager at this level. Uh, he's working with very good players, but they, you know, they, they have to work on a bit of a shoestring. Uh, they lost the boy to Hearts in the transfer window. Um, Boyce, I think, it went to Hearts, didn't he, Liam Boyce? Uh, so, you know, they lost their leading or one of their leading scorers. Uh, Lucas Aikens is very much the focus of their attack. Whatever formation they play, he's the one in the four-one-four-one. He's he's the central of the four-three-three. Um, but, you know, there's players all over the field that I would love to see in the Lincoln City shirt. At the back, John Joe O'Toole, uh, really good footballer. Probably not somebody I would want to see at Lincoln, to be fair. But he's there, Michael Boswick. He was suspended, I think, when we played them um, back in uh, December, ironically, for um, a punch or a bust up with, with a South End striker called Tom Hopper. Uh, so that was that's quite interesting. That's one to watch this weekend. Uh, they've got Connor Shaughnessy on loan from Leeds at the back as well. Uh, young, exciting footballer, uh, had senior experience with Mansfield before being recorded and loaned to Burton. Really great their keeper. I know he's just been hit with an FA charge. Kieran O'Hara, who's at Macclesfield, Manchester United youngster. Um, in the midfield, they've got Joe Powell, who they signed from West Ham, who was a player we were heavily linked with until he moved there permanently. Uh, Stephen Quinn has been, a, you know, he's older than God, but he's another quality footballer um, in the middle of the park for them. Uh, and then you look at, I mean, they've got the real danger man for me uh, is Jamie Murphy. Now, Murphy joined them on loan from Rangers uh, in January. He scored five goals in seven games. Um, and he's just... I've seen clips of him. Uh, I've been watching this afternoon and he's just devastating. He's so quick. He's tricky. Um, he did really well for Sheffield United uh, and then got a move, I think, uh, up north. I can't remember whether he moved to Motherwell um, and then to Rangers or something like that. But he's such a quality footballer. Um, and yet Burton have got one win in eight. 
Mm. And you know, all I, I can see Burton scoring. And if you look down their most recent results, uh, I think aside from a nil-nil at Gillingham, you know, South End was three-two. Uh, I think they've had you know, both teams to score. They're always a really they seem to always be a really really good bet. Uh, but that's my fear because if they're a good bet for both teams to score, they're likely to score. And I just have this fear that you know I don't I don't want to keep sounding negative. You know, they score first. And confidence-wise, I think we struggle. Uh, and I don't see us scoring first. I mean, they've done both teams to score, just as a, as an example. South uh, South End, they won 3-2. They lost 4-1 at Ipswich, lost 3-2 at Rotherham, drew 2-2 with Wimbledon, beat Bolton 4-3. Uh, and they're their, last, they're their last few games. And I just think, certainly since Jamie Murphy's been scoring for them and, and, and has hit form, I think that they're... Uh, uh, are going to be a dangerous side. And also, quite oddly, um, they have uh, better XG than their opponents away from home. Now, I know people say XG is a load of rubbish. It's very, very rare that you see better XG away from home um, for, for, for a team. So, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a, an incredibly tough match, as we've just said lose tomorrow and beat Tranmere and we're not in, oh, not tomorrow, but it will be when you're listening to this story, but yeah, beat Tranmere next week and no one will remember this game. Mm. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I can't really say much more than what you've said there. I think it, it, it is going to be very tough. Um, I, I'm just really concerned at the moment about obviously, you know, with stuff we've already spoken about today um, with the, the it's just the lack of goal scoring. So, Let's let let's turn it around slightly positive. Let's let's yes. not end on a negative note because you know, the Tyrese news has kind of has set me off to off to one side. But if you if we'd recorded this last night and we'd been talking about Tyrese John Jules coming back into the side, playing ahead of Anthony Scully and Michael Appleton having had two weeks to work with the players on the training ground, work with those new players that he's been brought in, get the ideas across. I would actually have been predicting that we could probably go and beat Burton because mm. they're the sort of side that I've seen Michael Appleton's teams put better performances in against Peterborough, Blackpool, um, Ipswich. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't play badly against Coventry and Oxford. Mm. So teams that have got decent players that get the ball down that come to attack you, we do better against. And then you've got your Gillinghams, your Shrewsburys, um, arguably perhaps your South End, where they're a little bit more robust, fighting for their lives, and they're the ones we struggle against. So I just think, yeah, I do think it's going to be tough. And I think us scoring a goal is crucial. But at the same time, I just, yeah, I I hope to see some reward from the work put in the training ground. Mm. And we went to Burton fearing that we were going to get pounded after two Saturdays in succession off, if I recall correctly. And we went there and won 2-0. And that sparked the run over Christmas that has left us feeling like we might be safe. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, football's a funny old game. I could well be on here next week, eating my words, and uh, after a, a good Lincoln City win, I, I hope you are. You know, I, 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 just, I hope that's probably where we're going to be sat because it's been. A, I mean, it seems like forever since I've been to a match because I didn't go to the Gillingham game. So it's yeah, it's a long time since I've uh, since I've actually enjoyed some live football. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. Although yes, it is going to be a very tough game. So hopefully, um, hopefully we can 
come back next week and be talking about three points. Um, and then obviously we've got Tranmere to look forward to, which is going to be the, the biggest game of the season at this point. But um, okay, is there anything that we need to talk about before we go? I think there's probably a couple of bits that you need to plug from the blog, isn't there? Yeah, just, I mean, if you visit the blog, the details are on there, but there's the SLO Walk, uh, which is raising money for um, facilities for the visually impaired at Sinsel Bank, which is a really good cause. Uh, and then there's the British Heart Foundation 11 against the former Lincoln City players. That's coming up in April, I believe, uh, end of March, beginning of April. And um, so we'll probably plug that a little bit more. But if you visit the site, stcos.net, uh, you can read a little bit more about both of those in a recent post. There you go. So um, I don't really have anything to to, to add to this podcast so far. So uh, we will see you guys next week. If you do see us on Saturday, come say hello um, and uh, we'll probably have a bit of a chat. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. See you later. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.